Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on Fight Day as the UFC 285 takes place from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, where in the main event the heavyweight championship will be decided once again with John Jones returning to the Octagon for the first time in many, many years to take on Cyril gone. Before that, it is Valentina Shevchenko defending her championship against Alexa Grasso with a number of challengers who are looking to become the next ones on the undercard of the one who many call the great one. This is your UFC 285 pre-game show. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Uh, a lot of times on these fight breakdowns, it's been, ah, oh, we'll do the main event fights, but after that, nothing really matters. Almost everything on this card matters. This is the best UFC offering we have had in a very long time, and I cannot wait to break it all down with all of you today. That's what this whole show is going to be about. It is UFC 285. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening today. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! All right, it is, you can tell just from the, the, the intro, I'm a little fired up about this one. We're not going to go over every fight. Um, there are a, a couple of ones where I'm just, I, I just want to see how it goes. But the, the first one that I have uh, kind of attention paid to is in the women's strawweight division as Jessica Penne takes on Tabitha Ricci. Uh, Ricci coming into this one at a minus 300, according to the UFC's website. Uh, Ricci enters this fight at with a 7-1 record, standing 5'1", weighing 121.6 pounds is what they have on here. Here, uh, reach of 61 inches, taking on Jessica Penne, 14 and 7 in her UFC career, 5 foot 5, weighing in at 125 pounds, uh, with a reach of 67 inches. Um, this is such an interesting bout for me. Um, you have Tabitha Ritchie, who is just kind of coming into her own inside the UFC octagon. She is 2-1 in her UFC career. She has won back-to-back -back bouts since returning to strawweight in October of 2021. Her last fight came against Pollyanna Vienna uh, back at UFC Fight Night Home versus Vieira in May of 2022. So it is a bit of a layoff, taking on the long-standing veteran Jessica Penne. She has been around this sport for a minute, but things have fallen, or it has fallen on hard times anyway, for Jessica Penne, who has a two and four record in her last six bouts. Now, some of those are against high-level competition. Um, you have Ioannia and Jacek, that's a loss. You have Jessica Andrade, that's a loss. Then Danielle Taylor, that's a loss. And then we have a four-year gap in there. Um, because of a four-year USADA suspension. Um, this one, it was a second infraction, so she was suspended until uh, 2021, where she comes back with back-to-back -back wins over Lupita Godinez and Carolina Kovacavich. That was a performance of the night bonus back at UFC 265. Her most recent outing, though, a loss to Emily Decote back at UFC on ABC Ortega versus Rodriguez in July of 2022. It has certainly fallen off for Jessica Penne, 
and it feels like Tabitha Ricci is on the rise. I think Penne is an interesting underdog in this bout, just because, like, we just went over the, the caliber of fighters that Penne has lost to. Ricci hasn't done that yet. If you want to take just a real home run swing, plus 250 for Jessica Penne is interesting, but I do think Tabitha Ricci gets the job done um, in this particular bout. Moving on, we have, uh, we go to the more featured prelims. The, that, that fight is going to be on the Fight Pass prelims. Um, coming up in the flyweight division, two top 10 fighters make their way to the octagon as Vivian Araujo takes on Amanda Hibas. Araujo is 11-4, and four, while Hibas is 11-3, and three, both fighting out of Brazil with uh, both standing at 5'4". Araujo has the reach advantage at 68 inches. Uh, Vivian Araujo coming off of a loss to Alexa Grasso. She has lost two of her last three, but again, both losses coming against championship contenders um, with a loss to Alexa Grasso, who is fighting in the co-main event this evening, and a loss to Caitlin Chukagian, who does that to a lot of fighters. Uh, Amanda Hibos is someone who I'm I'm quite interested in from a, a, a fighting standpoint. Um, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, also a black belt in judo. She is also coming off of a loss also to Caitlin Chukagian in what was her return to the flyweight division. She is one and two in her last three bouts. So a really, really, really interesting fight here. And I think a really important fight for both of these fighters in the top 10. I think when you come out of this bout, there are going to be a lot of question marks surrounding... Um, surrounding the loser. I do think Amanda Hibos just has a couple of extra tools in the toolbox. Um, she is now the favorite in this bout at minus 120. Uh, we got her earlier in the week at minus 122. Um, I, I, like I said before, I think she has uh, a few more tools in the toolbox. It will be interesting, though. Arujo's takedown defense is at 90%, and both of them can throw a lot. They both, uh, according to the UFC website, land around four and a half significant strikes per minute. The one thing that concerns me about Arujo is she absorbs 5.3. Now, a fight against Caitlin Chukagian will do that to someone's stats, but Hibos had the same thing against Caitlin Chukagian and came away with a split decision. I, I just think that Hibos is the slight favorite, and I think it's for a reason. I think that uh, Amanda Hibos gets the job done. Moving up the card, we have two ranked middleweights going at it, as it is Derek Brunson taking on Drissus Duplessis. Um, there's no way I'm saying that right. Brunson, the veteran at 23 and 8, standing at 6 foot 1 with a 77 inch reach. Duplessis is at 18 and 2, standing also at 6 foot 1 with a 76 inch reach advantage. Uh, for Duplessis, training at Team Sit MMA, he is riding quite the winning streak. It is a six-fight winning streak, most recently a win over Darren Till at UFC 282, also a win over Brad Tavares in there. For Derek Brunson, he has obviously been doing this thing for a minute, a pro since 2010 after uh, a run in uh, NCAA Division II as a wrestler. He has been inside the UFC's octagon since UFC 155. That was Dos Santos against Cain Velasquez too. one of the fights we talked about in our heavyweight GOAT conversation earlier this week. Uh, so it's been a while for Derek Brunson inside the UFC's octagon. He's coming off of a knockout loss against Jared Cannonier that stopped a five-fight winning streak with wins in there over Darren Till, Kevin Holland, and the late Elias Theodorou. Derek Brunson is a grinder. He is... 
a very, very talented fighter, uh, but the odds have been shifting for Duplessis as this fight has continued to go on. Um, the, the main way people think Duplessis is going to win this fight is by knockout. He has seven wins by knockout to his name. Derek Brunson is a tough dude to stop, man. Um, doesn't get hit a lot. Doesn't hit a lot. Like, there's a lot of low action ones. Uh, Duplessis lands 6.62 significant strikes per minute. So he is someone who will absolutely put it on you. I think Duplessis gets the win, but checking the odds here, and we're going to look at bet stamp a little bit later on to see if we can get maybe a bit more value in this, but odds to win by decision, plus 400. I don't know if Derek Brunson's getting stopped in this one, so that could be a really, really, really interesting bout there uh, to go with for this one, but I think Duplessis does get the win, and again, an important fight at 185 pounds. That will be one of the bigger wins that he has had, and I think it'll be time to, to really give him some stiff competition at 180. Someone who has been to the top of the mountain before in his division gets back into the octagon this weekend as it is in the featured prelim. Cody Garbrandt getting back into the bantamweight division against Trevin Jones. Garbrandt is 12 and 5, standing at 5 foot 8. Um, his reach is 65 and a half pounds. Trevin Jones is 13 and 9 at 5 foot 7. He has a 70 inch reach advantage. For Garbrandt, he is the former one time bantamweight champion. This fight is back in the bantamweight division after a loss in flyweight for Cody Garbrandt. It has been a struggle for Garbrandt since winning the bantamweight championship over Dominic Cruz back in 2016. Back-to-back -back losses to DJ uh, TJ Dillashaw and then a loss to Pedro Munoz before beating Rafael Asuncao back at UFC 250. He has followed that up, however, with losses to Rob Font and Kai Kara. France. For Trevin Jones, this is one of the biggest fights of his career, and he has also struggled as of late with three straight losses. He is one, one and three with one no contest after uh, Jones tested positive for marijuana following his fight at UFC on ESPN in August of 2020, uh, with also a run in deep ACA and Pacific Extreme Combat. I think Cody Garbrandt is pretty well done, and Trevin Jones, I, you, you look at the resume, there isn't going to be a real tough test for him, but getting anyone against Cody Garbrandt at plus money seems like the way to go for me. So we, we had this pick earlier in the week with Trevin Jones at plus 147. I do think uh, that Trevin ends up getting the job done. Looking at the odds on the UFC site, um, Jones to win by knockout is at plus 330 right now, and for Cody Garbrandt, he has been knocked out in four of those five losses with Rob font, taking him to a 25-minute decision back in 2021. I just, I think it's over for Cody Garbrandt. Not that Trevin Jones is uh, just this wild killer or anything like that, but I, I, I feel like Cody Garbrandt's on the way out, and I think this one really seals it. So those are the fighters who are on the way out. Who's on the way up? That we begin the main card with in the middleweight division as Bo Nickel takes on Jamie Pickett. Bo Nickel coming into this one with quite the resume outside of the octagon. However, he has only three, three fights to his resume. One of them at Jorge Masvidal's Icon FC3, and then two on Dana White's Contender Series. He has not seen a minute and a half 
in any of his fights as he makes his UFC debut. He is a highly decorated wrestler, under-23 world champion, U.S. national champion in 2019. He is a three-time national champion out of Penn State with wins in 2017, 2018, and 2019. Also a three-time Big Ten champion and a Big Ten bronze medalist back in 2017. He also won a national silver medal uh, at 174 pounds in 2016. Extremely highly decorated wrestler extremely talented prospect, and a lot of people are very excited to see him. One person who isn't is Jamie Pickett, who enters the Octagon this evening with a record of 13-8. and eight. He is coming off of back-to-back -back losses to Kyle Dawkins and Dennis Tulilin, uh, which there's no way I said that correctly. But Pickett um, has said this week he actually was not aware of who Bo Nickel was when he accepted the fight. He just knew he was getting paid. He knew he was getting on a pay-per-view main card, and so he was going to, to, to get after it. Bo Nickel is an incredible wrestling prospect and someone who a lot of people are extremely excited about heading into the octagon here. I think he makes quick work of this one. I don't think this is the first time that we see even the two-minute mark of a Bo Nickel fight um, as he is expected to whoop on J.B. Pickett, and I, I would I would certainly um, back that one up. Moving on up the main card here on your UFC 285 pregame show, it is Matias Gamrot taking on Jalen Turner, two fighters in the top 10 in the lightweight division, looking to take advantage of the added spotlight of a pay-per-view main card. Gamrot coming off of a loss in his biggest fight of his career, losing to Benil Dariush in Abu Dhabi back at UFC 280. For Jalen Turner, he is 27 years old with a 13-5 record, riding a five-fight winning streak that included a submission win over Brad Riddell back at UFC 276. Uh, he also had a win in 2022 over Jamie Malarkey. Couple of interesting prospects here at 155 pounds. The odds would suggest that Gamrot is certainly the favor. Uh, favorite in this one. And I think a lot of people are very excited um, about what Gamrot can do. There is a lot of anticipation around this particular fighter. He has won a number of grappling championships uh, throughout his career. A winner of the uh, Abu Dhabi European Championship in 2019 and in 2014 with a number of different accolades along the way there as well. So extremely talented grappler. I think a lot of people now are kind of hoping that he starts to put some upper echelon talent away. That, that loss to Dariush kind of stopped the, the role a little bit. For Jalen Turner, again, a bit of an exciting prospect, but not one that I think people would have power ranked over Gamrot. I think Gamrot does get the job done here, but I think Turner is able to make this one a real challenge for him. And now someone who a lot of people are very excited about, Shavkat Rachmanov goes up against Jeff Neal uh, in the welterweight division. Rachmanov out of Kazakhstan is ranked ninth in the UFC's welterweight division. Currently training out of Killcliffe FC with the DAR team. He is 16-0 and in 16 professional bouts. Eight wins by knockout, eight wins by submission. The biggest win of his career coming in the main event against Neil Magny back in June of 2022. Also a win over Christian Harris in that time. He has 4-0 in the octagon after a stint in M1 Challenge. Jeff Neal is no easy task as he enters the octagon on a two-fight win streak with wins over Santiago Ponzinibbio and Vicente Luque after back-to-back -back losses to Neil Magny and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Again, Rachmanov is one of those prospects who is just on the cusp. I feel like a big win here, and he sets himself up for a top-five opponent in the welterweight 
division. It has not been a lot of high output so far in the striking department, just 2.54 strikes landed per minute, um, but he has only absorbed 1.39. Neil is going to put him on him. Neil is going to be, like, he choked out Neil Magny, so I don't know what other test we, we need. Like, I, I do not put Jeff Neal over Neil Magny right now in the welterweight division, so I think Gamrot gets the job done here, and I do think he is able to get this one finished inside the distance. Right now, the favorite for uh, mode of victory for Gamrot is a submission at plus 175. I think he is able to get the job done in that bout. Which brings us now to our two championship fights of the evening. Valentina Shevchenko defending the Women's Flyweight Championship against the number six contender, uh, Alexa Grasso. Shevchenko is 34 years old out of uh, Kyrgyzstan, nicknamed the Bullet. She is currently training with Tiger Muay Thai. She enters the octagon with a record of 23-3. and Those three losses, one to Liz Carmouche back in 2010 in Concho, Oklahoma, and then two losses to Amanda Nunes. Since then, she has been unstoppable. And even leading up to that, she's been relatively unstoppable. This would be her eighth successful defense of the UFC's flyweight championship. She is the only fighter to have successfully defended this title. Nico Montano was the first um, flyweight champion. She was stripped of the title in 2018 when she was forced to withdraw for a weight-cutting issue. Um, and Montano, I can't recall a time she's been back in the octagon since. Um, yeah, she lost to Jessica Penne in 2019, and that's been it for Montano. So really, one of the only, basically the only champion this division has ever known, Valentina Shevchenko, looks to add to her resume tonight. Coming off of her most questionable fight so far, a split decision victory over Talia Santos back at UFC 275, but wins on this run over Ioannian Jacek, Jessica I, Liz Carmouche, Caitlin Shukagian, Jennifer Maya, Jessica Andrade, and Lauren Murphy. The challenger this evening, 29-year-old Alexa Grasso out of Guadalajara, Mexico, training at Lobo Gym. The purple belt in jiu-jitsu is 15-3, with four wins by knockout, one by submission, and ten by decision. She is riding a four-fight winning streak, including a victory in her last bout in the main event of UFC Fight Night in October of 2022, over the aforementioned Vivian Araujo. She also has wins over Joanne Wood, Macy Barber, and Kim Jeon after a loss to Carla Esparza in 2019. This fight, and most fights Valentina Shevchenko is in, is all about what is left for Valentina Shevchenko. As mentioned before, she stumbled in that fight um, against Talia Santos and had a lot of people questioning, where is she in her career? mentioned before, she's only 34 years old. That is not, I mean, it's not your athletic prime, but it's not a part where champions fall off a whole lot. Except, if you remember our legacy look earlier this week, she's been fighting since she was 14 years old, back in 2003, uh, where she fought in Kyrgyzstan. This is someone who has a lot of miles. And I do think this division is catching up. And I do think that this division will catch up soon. I don't know if Alexa Grasso is the one to do that. Any area where Alexa Grasso would have any type of advantage, Shevchenko is better at. I think Shevchenko is going to probably put her wrestling on Alexa Grasso in this one. She has a slight reach advantage. Grasso is very aggressive on the feet. She could run into some issues. Either way, I think Valentina Shevchenko is going to get the job done in this bout. Um... That being said, 
the way that this slips up is if Valentina Shevchenko just does not have that anymore. I'm not going to say someone with a gun tattoo and a nickname of Bullet doesn't have the killer instinct anymore, but I I do worry that it is just so many miles on this body that maybe she just does not have it anymore and the Mexican fighting spirit of Alexa Grasso was able to get the job done. Because, like, make no mistake about it. Alexa Grasso is someone who can come in here and ruin your day. Um, we, we talked about it in the, the Legacy Look with John Jones. Ruin your special night a couple of times. Alexa Grasso is talented enough that if Valentina Shevchenko is not at the top of her game, she will lose. But I do... I have a tough time not projecting that Shevchenko is going to get back to that level. So I think Valentina Shevchenko gets the job done here. And I do think that it comes by way of a finish. And now we get to the main event of the evening. The man that many people consider the GOAT in the sport of mixed martial arts, despite a laundry list of out-of-the-octagon transgressions as John Jones steps back into the UFC octagon for the first time since February 8th. 2020. He has not been in the octagon since the pandemic started, and now he is back in a weight class higher, taking on one of the division's most skilled strikers in the history of the sport. It is John Jones against Cyril Gaon for the UFC Heavyweight Championship of the world. John Jones enters the octagon with a record of 26-1 and with one no contest. Uh, he is 35 years old out of Rochester, New York, currently training... A little all over the place, uh, but technically at Jackson's MMA, a coma. And with Fight Ready, he was banned from Jackson Wink MMA after domestic violence charges um, in 2021. He is a former uh, collegiate wrestler. He is a former UFC light heavyweight champion. 11 successful title defenses overall. John Jones, as mentioned before, 26 wins, one loss. That loss came by decision. He literally lost for kicking a guy's ass too hard. Um, he has 10 wins by knockout, 6 by submission, 10 wins by decision. He is on a four-fight winning streak after a no contest at UFC 214, where he has beat Alexander Gustafson, Anthony Smith, Tiago Santos, and Dominic Reyes. On this legendary run for John Jones. And again, when you only look at in-octagon achievements, it is nothing short of legendary. He has beat... I'm not even cherry-picking here. I'm just going in order. Brandon Vera, Vladimir Matyushenko, Ryan Bader, Mauricio Shogunhua, Quinton Jackson, Leona Machida, Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, Shail Sonnen, Alexander Gustafson, Glover Deshera, Daniel Cormier, Ovin St. Preux, Alexander Gustafson again, and then Smith, Santos, and Dominic Reyes. There are not many in the who's who of his time that he did not face and he did not beat. And more often than not, he did not embarrass. He has been so far ahead of everyone that he has ever set foot in the octagon with. Some have come close. Alexander Gustafson may be the closest. But no one has made you think for 25 minutes that they are definitively better than John Jones. You thought Gustafson might have been got the better of him on that night, but I don't know if anyone was making the argument, oh no, Gustafson's actually better. John Jones is the most talented fighter I have seen, but now 
after a three-year layoff, he moves into a heavyweight division to fight a heavyweight the likes of which we have barely seen before. It is Cyril Gaon who makes his way into the octagon tonight at 32 years old. Born in France, he trains at the MMA factory with a record of 11-1, and with five wins by knockout, three by submission. His most recent win, uh, his most recent fight is his most recent win. Back in Paris, France, at UFC Fight Night, he knocked out Tai Tuivasa to bounce back after losing the heavyweight championship of the world to Francis Ngannou, which was the first loss on his resume after wins over Derek Lewis, Alexander Volkanovsky, and Jarzinho Rosenstruck, also a win over Junior Dos Santos on that resume. He actually got his start in Quebec, fighting at uh, TKO with a win over Bobby Sullivan to win the vacant heavyweight championship. He defended that title twice before moving on to the UFC's octagon in 2019. This is such an intriguing fight. Let's start on the feet. Cyril Gaon is an incredibly decorated champion uh, when it comes to the Muay Thai world. Um, he has a Muay Thai record of 13-0 with nine wins coming by way of knockout. His most recent Muay Thai win came back in 2018 before he checked back into the octagon. Um, he stopped off for a quick fight in, uh, in France where he won that one by knockout to run his record to 13-0. I... I feel all pretty confident in saying that this is probably the most talented striker that John Jones is ever going to face. And I think something else that is very intriguing about this fight is you look at the reach. This is going to be the longest fighter that John Jones has ever fought. Jones is going to have a three and a half inch reach advantage. One of the things that made John Jones so great in his fighting career, and again, I want to clarify. I do not think this is a good person, and it actually pains me to say nice things about him because of all the stuff he has done. If you want a closer look at that, we have the legacy lookup from earlier this week. But when it comes to in the octagon, John Jones, had, one of the things that made him so dangerous is he had an exceptional understanding of range. He knew just how far he had to be to punch you in the face and just how far away he could be without you punching him in the face. He had a great sense of distance, he had a great sense of range, and he had a great movement as well. It is one thing to do that against fighters of the past, but Cyril Gaon is a different animal. Cyril Gaon presents near flawless footwork and again has a reach that can almost match what John Jones is is able to bring to him. The longer this fight stays on the feet, the more advantageous it is for Cyril Gaon, I do believe. I think John Jones, I'll be interested to see how he utilizes leg kicks. I'll be interested to see how he utilizes the jab. And then more specifically, I'll be interested to see what type of tactics Cyril Gaon comes out with um, and how he looks to kind of put the pressure on John Jones. Is he going to try to just like pop, pop and move? Or how is he going to be able to do that? I think the kicking game is nullified because that gets us to the other aspect of this fight. And and that is the wrestling. And that is my, I've made an official prediction already on the radio this week. The thing that is holding me up from taking Cyril gone is he was out wrestled by Francis Ngannou who hadn't wrestled a day in his life and was on one leg and still just threw him around. And Cyril gone said, yeah, we just didn't train wrestling going into that fight. And so the thing that I have concerns with now is that for the last couple of years, he has been getting his wrestling to a point where it can compete with Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou is not John Jones when it comes to the wrestling mat. Um, John Jones is a junior college national champion with Iowa Central Community College. 
that this is going to be a big problem. And I think John Jones, the way he wins this fight is by taking down Cyril Gon. And the only way that I think Cyril Gon has a chance at keeping John Jones from hoisting his uh, a championship and now his second weight class is to just keep Jones off of him. And whether that is with exceptional footwork, whether that is with a jab and a stick and move technique, I just have major concerns about John Jones's wrestling when it comes to Cyril gone. The concerns I have with going with John Jones are all outside of the octagon things, as most things are with John. He has not fought, as I said, since the pandemic started. He has not fought in three years. He is moving up to heavyweight. He has made comments about his body this week. Um, and look, far be it for me to critique the physique of a professional athlete. This is not bodybuilding, but he is not coming in with the, the same shredded look as, as we have seen from him in the past. How, how does that handle over 25 minutes? How, how does this new frame, this new weight handle over 25 minutes? We just haven't seen John in this spot before. Also, this is a John Jones who is now 35 years old, who has lived a very hard life. We do not know what he has been doing over the, the last three years. We don't know what impact some of his life choices have made on him. There was steroid use before. We don't know what impact that had on some of his previous bouts. He has said he has cleaned his act up before, or he has cleaned his act up coming into this fight, and again... There's a lot to, to not like about John Jones, but when he said, yeah, I did coke the night before and beat Daniel Cormier, some guys kind of need that stuff. You know, like Tiger Woods got his shit together off the golf course and was not the same golfer again for another decade. I do wonder if John kind of needs the fast life to, to keep him invested in this, to keep him fired up, to keep him going, to, to keep him motivated, uh, and to keep him sharp going into this one. And so I just wonder... With all of those things going into this one, my official pick is Cyril Gaon. I think that Cyril Gaon is technical enough and more technical than any heavyweight that John Jones could have possibly drawn in the 10 years that we've been discussing. John Jones moving to the heavyweight division. And I just think the layoff and everything is going to catch up to John Jones here in this moment. So I do believe Cyril Gaon comes away from this fight as the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Time for a quick pause, and when we come back, we are going to look at today's ticket for some official plays on UFC 285. Some of the music on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. All right, it is time for today's ticket. Let's go through it. A reminder, we already have two plays on this particular fight card. We have uh, Amanda Hebos at minus 122 over Vivian Araujo, and we have Trevin Jones at plus 147 over Cody Garbrandt. We go to the main event, um, Cyril Gaon taking on John Jones. I just said we're going Cyril Gaon. The best number to get that at is at Cool Bet at plus 150. Taking a look at the fighter props, I think this goes to decision. So um, I'm going to take Cyril Gaon by decision as well. Uh, Pinnacle has that at plus 290. 
two. Moving on, it is Valentina Shevchenko taking on Alexa Grasso. Um, if you are fancying yourself a Shevchenko fan in this one, you are going to have to go the prop route as the best number to get Shevchenko at is minus 667. I do think she gets the finish in this bout. Betway has under three and a half rounds at minus 120. Um, so I'm going to go with that one there. Fighter props here. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko... Just win inside the distance is minus 144. That's not bad. We're going to go with that one as well. So this ticket uh, starting to, to fill up here a little bit. Shavkat Rachmanov taking on Jeff Neal. Uh, again, the odds do not favor taking Rachmanov in this one. Even going over one and a half rounds is only at minus 150, minus 149 at Pinnacle. So you're not getting a whole lot there. Uh, Shavkat Rachmanov by decision, because I think Neil's going to be tough to put away. There we go. Rachmanov by decision at plus 250. That is uh, the, the route we are going to take with this one. Jalen Turner against uh, Gamrod. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, Bo Nickel taking on Jamie Pickett. Under a round and a half is minus 350. I don't think we're getting anything here for for Bo Nickel. To win inside the distance is minus 800. Yeah, you are getting literally no value on this one. Actually, there, there it is. We have found it. Ah, even that, it's not awesome. If you want to go with something, go with Bo Nickel by submission at minus 180. But I, I'm going to just stay away. It just... We didn't get in there for the, the right odds. Actually, the, the right odds I don't think have ever really presented themselves in this bout. And that is going to be that. So today's ticket, again, with the two already, with um, with the, uh, the the play on Hibos and um, the play on Trevin Jones, we have Shavkat Rachmanov to win by decision, Valentina Shevchenko to win inside the distance, uh, we also have that fight going under three and a half rounds. We have Cyril gone to win by decision, and we have Cyril gone to win straight up. That is today's ticket, and that is today's UFC 285 pregame show. Still a lot to get to this week. Hoping to watch at least some of this so we can do a bit of a breakdown for you guys. And also, we got a preview, AEW Revolution, which is coming your way on pay-per-view tomorrow. It is such an amazing weekend. I, I, I'm not blowing smoke. I have no reason to blow smoke. I've told you guys when cards have sucked before. This is going to be a banger of a fight card. I hope you all enjoy the hell out of it. And we'll talk all about it again next time. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm out.